You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. I am just beyond thrilled to introduce today's guest to you, although I have a feeling you are already a very well aware and acquainted with this man. This is hmm, this is a bucket list guest for me. That is for sure. I have been looking forward to sharing this with you for so long. I am so grateful to be in a position to be able to have this conversation with someone who I just really respect and admire, whose work I love. Connor actually introduced me to Atticus. Uh a year and a half ago. And he gave me one of his books and he had it earmarked with the poem that he wanted me to read. And I just remember thinking, this is the most romantic thing ever. First of all, (laughs) some major brownie points for him. And second, I just had to read more. I had to know more. And it has been a year and a half of just immersing myself and into his books and reading his poetry and just loving the work that he puts out into the world. Atticus is, as we talk about in this episode, a man of mystery and someone who really speaks and sends love from the shadows and keeps the ego and the man out of it and allows the work and the words to speak for themselves. And so I am so grateful that we had this conversation because it really felt like we went places that he's never gone before because people don't know who he is. And this, this conversation just brought so much to light and allowed me and all of you today to gain some insight into the inspiration and where all of this comes from. So Wow, what do we get into in this episode? I really wanted to understand how he captures the essence of the female experience and his exploration of self, being seen, describing his imagination, understanding wounding and past trauma and how that how that has created the artist that he is today, what his relationship with sexuality and intimacy is. And how he is really able to drop into the space between the moments that so many people overlook what poetry has taught him about himself and where this goes from here, what his vision is, what this looks like and how he has evolved over time to become this person. Oh, I am just so thrilled for all of you to hear this conversation and engage and get to know this man of mystery a little better. And for the first 20 people to send me a screenshot of their review in Apple Podcasts after listening to this episode, I am going to gift you one of Atticus's books. I have them all. I love them. And so I want everyone to be able to experience his magic as well. So If you have not yet left a review for this show, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, 
uh, whatever your takeaways are from this episode and send me a screenshot on Instagram at Kelly M. Tennant and I will get your address and I will send you a book as a thank you. Before we get into this conversation with Atticus, I wanted to let you guys know that I have launched a brand new program. I am so excited about this. So I had so much fun facilitating my group programs and doing one-on-one work. And what really kept coming to me was this idea of working with two women together at a time. So not necessarily a big group program and not one-on-one so that it's more financially viable for people because it's a little bit discounted compared to the one-on-one work, but you're still getting that sisterhood space holding experience. So killing two birds with one stone and providing a really safe, sacred space for you. So this is called the practice duos because we're working with two people. And it's really about understanding the fact that this isn't doing the work. I'm tired of saying I'm doing the work because that makes me feel like I am in achievement and trying to check off the boxes and be competitive and get a gold star at the end of the day. And that is not what growth is about. This is really the daily practice of being in choice and surrender and flow. And so over three months together, we will do Zoom calls together. We will work through journal prompts. We will have really in-depth challenging experiences that bring forward things that are heavy on your heart. And we'll talk about releasing control and core wounds and balancing the masculine and feminine, listening to your body connecting with your guides, manifestation, energy flow, allowance, living by your own damn rules, how our personal lives impact our business and pleasure, and I'm sure so many other things in between that. We'll talk twice a month and we will be in contact between those calls. I will spend 90 minutes with you one-on-one before we ever begin the practice together. And if you want to do this with a friend, the two of you can do this together, or you can sign up on your own and I will pair you with a sister for this experience. So if you would love to join me for this, I only have six spots available. So you can go to kellytenant.com slash duos and sign up for a call and we can talk about if this is a fit for you. I would love to have you. This is such a special experience and I love facilitating and holding this space in this way. All right, let's get to this one with the incredible Atticus. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited to chat with you, Atticus. Yes, thanks for thanks for having me. This is awesome. Um, so many of our listeners and and people in the community are huge fans of yours, and it's been so fun watching you grow. And we are huge fans of you in this house. I actually was gifted. Um, the dark between stars from my boyfriend the first couple of weeks we were together. And I was like, Oh my God, I love this. So you're, you're a big part of our relationship. So good job on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm glad it could, could be of service. That's, uh, That's very nice. Thank you very much for saying that. Yeah, of course. So Something that I have been really thinking about leading up to talking to you, I I have tons of questions, but something that I think you do so beautifully that I'm so curious about how you do it is how you capture the essence of the female experience so perfectly when you are a man. How do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I I mean, I mean, it, uh, thank you again for saying that. Um, But I mean, it, 
it, it's hard to tell. I mean, I, I, I just try to write truthfully. Um, I think that, uh, I have three sisters and growing up with sisters has probably helped, um, me get a kind of a picture into the, to the female experience at least a little <laughs> bit. Um, but yeah, you know, I, you know, I just try to write honestly. And like so much of what I do is, is pulling from my life experiences and seeing love and heartbreak through, through my sister's eyes and through a lot of my friends who are girls eyes. And, and also just, just using my imagination, uh, of what it would, what it would feel like both from a guy's perspective and from a, from a female's perspective and, you know, just try to better understand, you know, what, what those feelings are and what people are going through. Is there ever any part of you, because you are so in, in touch with the feminine experience. And I love that you have sisters because that makes complete sense. Obviously, I feel like guys who have sisters are much better to women and understand the crying and the chaos more than guys who don't have sisters. Um, But is there any part of you that has ever wanted to share more through the lens of a guy? Um, Has that come forward for you? Because it seems like this is really what you have honed in on. Um, Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, it, it, it is just like, it, it, it is such like an exploration, you know, and like trying to understand myself better, trying to understand, um, just like love relationships and, and, you know, everyone's experience is better. And so, you know, writing from a, a guy perspective for sure. And, and like, I don't often end up sharing as much, like I do write a lot about the, the kind of more male experience, but I don't end up sharing as much. Um, and I don't, they're not as much as often in the books. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's something that I, that I constantly push myself and remind myself to do that. You know, there are guys who are going through this stuff too. So just like, it's important to post that side as well. Mm-hmm. When did you realize that you were onto something and you had captured something that a lot of people hadn't been able to really dive into and explore as much? Um, I don't know if I've ever ever realized that I'm onto something, but, uh, I think, you know, when, when I first started writing and, and posting and, and doing it anonymously, I, I never expected it to, to take off or be anything more than just a creative outlet and a, and a way to meet other writers and just to like, you know, share ideas and, and words and, and, you know, kind of use it as a playground. Um, and so when people started following, it was, it was, humbling one, but, but also very surprising. And, um, and it, it really was astonishing that it was resonating with people. And I think, um, it, you know, it's hard to say why that, why that was, I, I think it was maybe just, maybe, maybe it was just the anonymity and, uh, and that allowing me to, to write more honestly. And, you know, I wasn't writing for anybody because it wasn't, it, it wasn't me. I had kind of like a, a safety line, a barrier, uh, between me, um, and the world. And so I, you know, I think that helped too, but yeah, it's hard, it's hard to, hard to know. I think, um, you know, when people started getting it tattooed, that was like very (laughs) surprising. And I was like, Whoa, wow. Maybe I, maybe I am resonating with, with people here. In a very permanent way. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm always, whenever I, you know, the first couple couple times I got a tattoo and I was like, damn, I hope I got the grammar right on that. Or, you know, <laughs> I hope they spell checked. Cause I, I'll, I, you know, I'm just, uh, 
I'll, I'll write really late into the night and I'll post things and, you know, some will work and some won't, but like, it's all an experiment. So. It's so interesting to being sort of, um, not only anonymous, but like this man of mystery where people don't know a lot about you and you just don't see that anymore. We're in a very narcissistic society where everyone's taking selfies and, you know, I am totally one of those people who puts my face out there and shares all the things about my life. Yet you are, you're, you're, you're kind of an oxymoron because you are this, this kind of man of mystery, but you're also sharing the depths of who you are, your experiences and how you view the world. It's such an interesting way you go about it. How does it feel for you having that balance between the two of being so raw and honest and open, but also no one really knowing much about you? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you know, when I first started out, um, I, I wanted to, it was in, a, a lot of people asked me like, why do you, why do you wear the mask and, and uh, why do you choose to be anonymous? And, you know, when I first started out, I think it was, it was a good way to, to, you know, not have it uh, bleed into the rest of my life. And, you know, as it grew, it became really important to me to keep the anonymity because, um, if I'm, if I'm like really honest, like I, I just didn't want the recognition, like the, you know, I didn't want to be recognized. I didn't want to, you know, the fame side of it. I wanted to do big things. I wanted to like get my work out to everyone. I wanted to, to meet people, but I, uh, I really wasn't interested in the, the kind of fame side of things. Um, largely because I have, um, I've been surrounded by uh, a lot of fame in my life and, and I know so I feel so strongly that it comes with a a double-edged sword and, and while it's really appealing and, and, you know, parts of me, um, are, are kind of intrigued by it. I just, I just saw so many friends who were famous and, you know, I, I don't often share this, but you know, somebody who was uh, around my age and actually grew up on the same Island as me, um, who was quite famous, uh, around the time that Atticus was starting, um, died in a hotel room in Vancouver. And, uh, that kind of rattled me and I, and re- really made me rethink what fame is and, and, um, um, and what it's for and who's it, who it's for. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a long journey and, and, you know, imperfect, but, you know, just keeping the anonymity and, and, uh, and the separation between words and person, I, I feel are really important to me. And, um, and wonderfully, uh, people seem to get that. And, and, you know, even fans who, who, um, you know, know, or something that they're just like, they're in it to, to, to keep it. I think they, they understand why, um, actually, um, I was doing one of these shows recently and, and this woman stood up at the end and she said, you know, in a world obsessed with fame, I think it's beautiful that you're sending love from the shadows. Mm. And I was like, wow, what a beautiful, what a beautiful thing to say. And, 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 uh, to me, I'm just like, yeah, why not? Why can't I just be on the sidelines saying, you know, doing what I can to like try to send positive, positive things without, without that other level of fame. So Mm -hmm. do you feel, even though people 
don't necessarily know who you are, do you still feel seen and acknowledged for what you bring to the world? You know, surprisingly not, um, in a sense. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly humbled when I, when I get messages and, and DMS of people from people, but, um, I don't, I don't, I, I it's, it's the, the good and the bad about the, the mask is that it, I, I feel like it's really helped me not to have any sort of ego in this at all. Like I, I sometimes forget that people are even out there following and, um, you know, maybe it's me or maybe it's all writers, but I do one of these shows and, and every single time without fail. And I've done hundreds at this point, I'm, I'm sure that no one's going to show up that no one wants to be there. <laughs> and I'm always just blown away when, when people do. And, and so I, I think that, yeah, the, the mask serves to, to kind of like, to, to keep me certainly humble. Cause I, I forget that anybody's even out there listening and, but it, you know, and it helps me write more vulnerably as well. When people ask you like people, you randomly meet without a mask on, not at one of these events are like, what do you do? What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a secret uh, yeah, agent. Make, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I can't tell you. Um, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll just make up something funny. Um, no, I mean, you know, I'm pretty vague, vague about it. And, and, you know, I, I, um, poetry is like, is like an Atticus is, is like a part of me. Um, but I do, I do lots of other things. And so, you know, I'll, I'll kind of point to those or, or just, you know, vaguely say I'm in, I'm in, um, books and content and writing or, or I'm a writer and, um, you know, try to skirt around, around the question as much as possible. Deflect. Yes. Deflecting. Very good. Very yeah. good. You're like, I'm not good at um, it. I'm, you know, I'm a struggling writer. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm curious how, how you would describe your imagination because to me, you really blend, um, I wouldn't say you, you're an erotic writer, right? Cause you're not, but there's like this eroticism and this desire and this, um, sensuality that you present. And I'm curious what visually and in your mind and fantasy wise you see in your imagination and how that then pours into words. Yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, a wonderful question. You know, I, I love to write in the themes of, of I'm a very nostalgic person. Um, and so I, I often write about, you know, the old world and, and, you know, the kind of old romantic world. And I think that's why I write about Europe so much, um, and Paris and Rome and Spain. And, um, because it kind of, it, it well captures that, that, that feeling that I want to write about. And, and then there's also kind of like the, infinite youth, the like, you know, young forever kind of world that I love to write about and running to the desert with your friends and, you know, watching shooting stars and drinking wine. And, um, I think, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, and then just like love and, 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 you know, young love and old love and, you know, losing love after, after a lifetime together. And, all of these themes are just, uh, are, are kind of what's going on in my imagination. Like I, I love to, to stew, stew within there. Did, where did that come from? Were you taught that was, were your parents into that kind of stuff? 
I mean, it's a good question. It's hard to, hard to, to think about where it all came from, but I'd have to say, you know, I really looked up to my grandparents and my grandfather was, was, um, died when I was pretty young and I always kind of kept him in my head as this, um, you know, uh, mythological character. And, um, I, I, I think that's where the nostalgic came from, you know, um, it's all like a, a little midnight in Paris. Mm -hmm. If you've seen the movie, but, you know, always thinking that the, the generations before us were the perfect generation. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say where it came from. My mom's, uh, my mom's like comes from Irish heritage. And, and I think that it's like very ingrained in, in, in the Irish, this kind of like, um, poetry and song and love, and, you know, I think it's very natural. You know, it just came to me too, as you were talking about like the old world and I'm just thinking of relationships and how people used to communicate and we're writing love letters to each other and you had to wait weeks. I just watched the notebook the other day, you know, you write a letter once a day yeah. for a year and it takes God knows how long to get from one, one state to the next. Um, and it's such a different time now when we're in social media and you can slide into people's DMS and there's yeah. very little understanding of how to communicate in a way that is romantic, that does woo someone that sort of organically lures them in. And I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what you do taps into this old way of communicating and romanticism that we have lost in our generation. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. And I, and I think that that's why, you know, why there's been such a resurgence of words and poetry and, and quotes uh, online is that I think people are, are, are wanting and searching for a little bit more. And, um, I think that's, you know, where that came from. I think it's this desire of like a little bit of a deeper connection maybe than, than, um, you know, sliding in the DMS and whatnot. But yeah, I think you're, you're totally right. You know, that it, it has changed a lot and, um, um, unfortunately not all for all for the better. Mm. What is it like for you when it comes to dating? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, uh, you know, one thing I'll say is that I draw a lot of my inspiration from my, my life experiences and, and my relationships. And, um, you know, if you, if you read the first book, I, I dedicated it to someone, you know, and, and I owed her a lot of those words and I, and I really did. And unfortunately we broke up. And so, the second book I, I dedicated to my mother. Cause I think it was a lot safer to do that. Um, <laughs> Good move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she loved it. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I do, um, I, I do, uh, pull a lot from, from those experiences and, and my imagination within those experiences, but you, you kind of draw on what, what, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, dating is a, it's a weird thing. I, 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 I feel bad, you know, for these, for these generations and, you know, one, you have like incredible access and connection to so many other people that you'd think that it would, it would be really easy to find someone, but the, the whole system is like a, a race to the bottom and, you know, the kind of dating app world I feel is a, is a race to the bottom and it's, and it's based, you know, 
it's in, it's based on on spreading a wide net and like easiest path and um it, i think it's a it's a real shame because you just like you don't you don't connect as as deeply or as often as you could and it's all it's all ghosting and um it's really it's 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 terrible mm-hmm you know, something interesting that happens for me, I talk a lot about sexuality and my experiences. I'm super open and I actually have a lot of men who message me and they're like, how can I get my wife or my girlfriend to be more open like you and share her desires or, you know, try different things. And that yeah. makes me wonder how many women are messaging you asking similar things. How can I get my guy to be more romantic and write me letters like yours or, you know, tap into this part? Do, do you get messages like that? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I know it, it's hard. I get, I get a lot and, and I wish I could get back to everyone and I, I'll kind of pick my battles and, and try to get back to as many people as possible. But it, you know, it's just, it's impossible with the, the inundation, but, um, yeah, there, there are so many, you know, like I broke up with someone that, you know, I, 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 I'd like to write them a poem. Can you let me know how to or like help me do it? And, um, and it, and it's guys too. It's, you know, it's, it's guys, um, who are in breakup. So they have a girl they like, and you know, it's, it's non nonstop. Um, I, I, I have found kind of to your point and, and with your, um, with your, with your guy, um, I do get a lot of people who come up to me at the shows and say, you know, we used your poetry as kind of a way to communicate early on, you know, we'd send each other, um, you know, poems that kind of captured a feeling that we felt for them, but didn't know how to articulate. And, and we sent them back and forth. And I, I can't tell you how many times that's come up, but it's, uh, I, I, that's really, really, really nice and humbling to know that it, like, you know, the words served up a purpose in the, in the infancy of a relationship. And, uh, I've always said that, there, you know, um, there's something, there's like a transference of ownership. I find when somebody kind of takes the words and they use them in their relationship and it's like the words become theirs and the meaning becomes theirs. And, and same tattoos, uh, when someone gets words tattooed on them, um, they're like, what, what was your meaning behind this? And I'm like, you know, it doesn't really matter what my meaning was. What, what meaning did you take from it? Because, Mm. you know, that's what you've created. It's, it's yours now. And, and, um, I've always loved that, you know, it's just kind of like adding to, to the art of it all and the, the sharing and community of it all. Well, and it's so true, right? There's a lot of poets in the world and you can write about the same things and they can have a completely different connection or meaning behind them. And I think that's so beautiful to take ownership of your experience and express it in the way that resonates with you because it has a completely different story and, and feeling than the other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, and I think that's a really beautiful part about art and music and, um, you know, music, certainly everyone gets different meanings and feelings from, from songs, but, um, yeah, it can be really powerful. So just a quick interruption of this, since we are talking about love and intimacy and all of those beautiful things, I thought I would tell you about The thing that I currently am having a love affair with. (laughs) My morning routine is one of the most important parts of my life, to be honest, because I know that if I start out really clear, really open, really grounded, 
feeling really good in my body, I know my day will have such a different, more expansive feel to it. And so I have been using Organifi every single morning as I have come off of caffeine, letting my adrenals and my cortisol heal, letting my body relax, get out of a constant state of anxiety and go, 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 and this need to be in constant movement. I really wanted to bring my nervous system down and Organifi has been such a beautiful partner in doing that. So my favorite blend for the morning is a blend of their golds. They have an incredible seasonal flavor, pumpkin spice right now. So I usually do pumpkin spice and the chocolate gold and I blend those up with a little bit of coconut butter and hot water. And it's just a really nourishing, frothy, delicious addition to my day. And I know that I'm getting so many superfoods. The Golds have nine superfoods that help with deep sleep and recovery. So you can start or end your day with this. Sometimes I have it in the middle of the day, whatever I'm feeling. I just know, okay, my body needs this. And it has turmeric and mushrooms and lemon balm and ginger and pumpkin spice and chocolate. And it just blends beautifully together. And I just know that I'm doing something really, really wonderful for my body. So I want all of you to experience this as well. So if you go to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, use the code Kelly T, you will get 15% off anything you order. We also have a ton of the green juice and the red juice in this house. So if you're not someone who likes to juice all the time, I can't juice enough celery (laughs) to make it happen uh, or it goes bad, which I always feel really bad about. This is a great way to get all of those superfoods in and feel really rejuvenated and feel like you're doing the right thing for your body on a daily basis. So head over to Organifi.com, use the code Kelly T, you'll get 15% off and you better send me some videos of how you are blending up these babies together. All right, let's get back to Atticus. For men who are nervous about being vulnerable and and tapping into um, kind of finding those precious moments, what would be your advice for them to be able to express without fear and really own that? But only, but also being masculine and being the guy, you know, I think that's yeah. where a lot of the fear lies. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a balance, but if you, if you, you know, if you can't be vulnerable with somebody you love, I think it's a huge disservice to yourself and, and to them, you know, and, and like, you know, I feel like, you know, and, and anyone who's been there knows is, is the, the only real way to create like lasting connection and intimacy is through being vulnerable with each other. Um, and so, you know, I, I would just say it, it's so important to explore that, that side of you. And, and like, I get it, you know, it's, it's not always, it's, it's not super easy and it's not supernatural, especially because our society is, has, you know, raised men often in such a way that it's just like, you know, don't, you know, don't, uh, explore those feelings whatsoever. You gotta be a man, you, you know, and unfortunately that leads to, in so many cases, the kind of like the toxic masculinity. And, um, I think that, you know, men being way more open with that side is, is super important for our society. And, and hopefully I see it in, in the, the younger generation. Um, 
they're way more kind of open to that side. And I think it's a really, really positive thing. And, and, you know, now it's just getting kind of the older generation and us and it, and it doesn't happen overnight and you kind of, it's just like a work in progress, but I think what I hope we're, we're heading in the right direction. And what I'll say is like, you know, growing up, I, I was very much not encouraged to explore that side, you know, growing up in Canada, it's like you play, you play rugby, you play hockey, you know, you <laughs> chop down trees. You, you don't, <laughs> you don't write poetry. And, and, um, I don't know if you know this, but the, the kind of the, where Atticus came from was, uh, I went on a trip to France and I met this, this actor, um, uh, a guy named Michael Madsen, who's the, if you don't know him, he's the bad guy from Kill Bill and Reservoir mm, Dogs mm-hmm. and, and uh, a Justin Bieber music video. Um, and, you know, he taught me a lot about, um, you know, his struggles with, with depression and alcohol and, and how, how, in his words, poetry had saved his life. And for me, that was really eye-opening, you know, because here was this American badass, like he was the, he was the American badass. Um, and he was, he was a huge poet and, you know, he, and poetry had saved his life. And that was the first time in my life I was like, you know, I I was open to exploring more of that side of myself. And I'm, and I'm really glad I did because I think it's helped me shaped me into a, a better man and a better person, you know, better in relationships and, and just being the person I want to be in the world. I love that. He really gave you permission for that. That's so cool. I think so many of us do things because it's what we need to learn. So I teach about sexuality and spirituality because those are things that have helped me grow and evolve and things that I have struggled with, whether it's shame or not feeling good enough, um, past trauma. So I feel like this is what I want to share with the world because these are my pain points. And it feels like relationship and connection and love and intimacy are the, so much of what you share. I'm curious, your poet life versus your intimate life that no one else sees, where there have been moments where you realize this is what I need to share with the world because these are my pain points. This is where I struggle. Yeah, and that's a really good good question. And, and I think like one of the challenges for me is, is like showing the same vulnerability I, that I show in my poetry, in my relationships, you know, and kind of, and, and kind of like bridging that gap. And, and I think my, my girlfriend would say, I wish you like wrote me more poetry or more, often, mm. um, <laughs> you know, and, um, and, and it's true. And, and it's like something I challenge myself to do. And I think it's, it, it, it is hard. Um, but you know, you just kind of work at it, you get better. And, um, you know, I've come so far in in, in that, um, even over the last few years, I feel like I'm still got so much more to grow, but I, but I'm, I am, I hope getting better. Do you find that it's easy for you to communicate your desires and your needs? because you have been vulnerable? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, is fostering a, a place of, um, you know, safety with your, in your, in your relationship and, you know, knowing that it, no matter what you say, you won't feel stupid or, or, or bad, um, I think is the, is the best thing. And then that, that doesn't necessarily hold, happen overnight, but it's like, you know, to, to kind of, 
our point before it's like that's what that intimacy comes from that vulnerability and and you know that connection and trust and and that's when you can really um get better at communicating those yeah needs and and everything within relationship communication is is everything it is when you are in i wasn't planning on asking you this but now i'm really curious <laughs> your communication style when you're in somewhat of a confrontation or um, a disagreement, how do you go about having a conversation and taking ownership of that and, you know, holding that space for you and your partner? Yeah, that's a great, great question. And, you know, I, I would say that, um, thankfully my, my girlfriend's a lot better than I am. And, <laughs> and she's, she's just like very good at, at, you know, removing the ego from it and just, just getting down to what the issues at hand. Um, and you know, not, not getting pushed to anger. And so she really helps and keep kind of communication really calm and, and, uh, progressive. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a hard thing, you know, it's, it's, it's almost the hardest thing. And I, I think that, um, that, um, uh, you know, I have ways to go. Um, we both do, but you kind of just, again, work at it. Yeah. Every time I think Connor and I have this whole communication thing figured out, we get in another fight. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I, We're starting I over. I mean, yeah. You, you know, you do so much work with, you know, you do so much work on yourself and, and you think you got it. And then, you know, you, you flow into to old habits and things. Um, you know, you know, one thing that I find has, has worked and I don't know if you do that, explore this in any of your kind of teachings and, and such, but, um, you know, the, the kind of idea that, that when somebody reacts, it's, it's so often the like child inside of them mm -hmm. that, that is looking for nurturing. And, um, I, that's really helped me, um, you know, be more empathetic and, and, um, you know, dissolve confrontations a little bit because I'm able to see them as their younger self and, and be like, Oh, you're not mad at me. You're kind of like mad because you think your, your dad is going to leave your mom or, you know, you know, whatever it is. Um, and you know, certainly my relationship with my mother too, um, seeing, you know, she was adopted at a young age and, you know, whenever we're almost in a confrontation, I, I kind of like see her for, that little girl, little Irish girl mm. who was, you know, adopted and given up and confused and, and whatever. And I, and I feel like I have a huge amount of, of empathy for that and her. I love that. Are you able to have that kind of compassion and empathy for yourself in those moments? Yeah. Something else I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get better at. And I, I actually have this little picture of myself at that age and, um, and you know, he's, he's in my bathroom. And, and so sometimes I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just like look at him and, and remember that that's the child who's, you know, maybe stomping his feet a bit or, or kind of acting up and, and that I need to like nurture him and tell him that it's going to be okay. And it, it really does help because I, I do believe in this, in the science of it. Mm. It's interesting you say that I, I have this group coaching program right now and, and one of the girls made such an amazing point and I loved this. 
she said, when I talk to my little girl, I don't necessarily just tell her, hey, it's going to be okay. We're good. I've got you. I ask her, what is it that you need me to hear right now? What do you want to say to me? Is that something you've ever done? Oh, wow. I haven't heard that. Uh, I haven't heard that done, but, uh, but I think that's an incredible way to, to deal with a, with a child. Um, yeah, I, I haven't necessarily done that. Um, that done that well. I mean, I don't have any kids, but you know, in, in my relationships that, that, that would be an, a great tool. Yeah. Like Cause that. to me, it's, you know, our, our inner child so often just wants to be seen and held and loved. That's really what like the whole point yeah. of living is. Right. And if we as adults are telling that, that kid, Hey, this is, this is okay. And everything's fine. And I've got you and we've got this together. That's one thing. And I love that. And I do that as well, just like you, but to be, to ask this this little nugget inside of you, what is it that you need? What do you want me to, what do you want to tell me about your experience in this moment? You know, what is it that you want to do and to just be open to that guidance because it's almost, you know, to get kind of spiritual into listening to your higher self and, and hearing your own inner wisdom. It's so hard to ask ourselves as adults because our egos are so big and we have so much experience, but to ask a child, okay, in this moment, what do you want me to hear? I feel like removes a lot of that noise and just gets, just gets into your clarity and your purpose and your why. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, um, yeah, that, that's really powerful. Really powerful. I like that. So when you write, it feels like you get into the spaces between the moments, not necessarily just the moments themselves. Like I just have this vision of you with a woman and watching her kind of brush her hair back or what she looks like right after you make love and she's just wrapped in sheets and the little things that other people don't pick up on or pay attention to seem to be everything that you create. How do you stay that present in moments or even in, you know, dreamland or your imagination to pick up on that? Um, well, thank you for saying that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think I would say it's, it's a blessing and a curse that I, I notice a lot. Um, I pick, pick up on a lot and I, you know, I think that, um, it, like I said, I think it's a good thing and a, and a bad thing, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of noticing, um, just noticing those, those little things, those little moments and, and just kind of, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I think I was often the, the guy at, the, uh, at the party out, out by the, the fire, kind of looking up at the stars, kind of wondering. And, and I'm like, I'm just often wondering. Um, but you know, I think it's, I think it's a challenge, particularly these days is to like stay that present and to, to, to actually notice these things and to not get kind of sucked away into the, the email and business world, but actually just like, um, stay present, like you said, and, and notice these little details because, you know, within these little details is, is the, like the fabric of life and, and the, and the meaning of it all. And, and, um, we kind of get buzzed away into a higher, higher frequency. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I talked to this really incredible, um, uh, stillness, coach recently. And, and he's, he's fabulous. Um, but he, um, he's like, you know, 
nature and, and like meditation and, and all of these things where it, it operates at like a s- certain frequency and it's actually quite low. And, you know, humans have trained themselves through like caffeination and, and through kind of like busyness and quickness and traffic and everything to, to push themselves into this higher frequency to get way more done and everything. And, you know, I've noticed that like, I'm happiest, most content, most creative, you know, and noticing these things that you mentioned when I'm con- bring myself back down to that frequency of nature and calmness and, and, um, you know, meditation kind of thing. Um, so, you know, long way around to answer your, your question is, is yeah, it's just kind of about slowing down and, and noticing these moments. And like, like you said, seeing, looking between the lines, looking between the moments and, and, and picking up on it. Have you found even you know, this year, especially I think during COVID and quarantine, so many of us across the world have been forced to slow down. Have you found even more connection with yourself and creativity in not having to be in noise and really being able to be in self-reflection and, and with yourself and and your work and, and just that stillness? Um, Yes, I have. Um, and I'll, and I'll say yes and no. I think, you know, when, when it first started the kind of quarantine and everything started this year, um, I did, I, you know, I found I was being slower and more purposeful and, um, as it, as it kind of went on, I think I, I lost it a bit and, you know, if, if anything, um, lost, uh, closer to connection to, um, nature. And it's actually like something I'm really trying to, trying to work on now is, is just like getting back into that, that flow and that, you know, more connected feeling. Um, because, you know, I don't know about you, but I just go through like ups and downs of feeling really connected and then not connected. And, and, um, I really need to push myself to be more connected and, and things. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I'm the same way. If I can get my feet back in the dirt and be in nature in the middle of a forest where there's nobody with my dogs and I'm like, okay, I can breathe again. I can find my center. And it's, I I hate this, but we lose that. And especially if you're in an achievement mode or I need to do this thing, or I'm constantly go, go, go. We forget that the peacefulness and the groundedness that comes from just immersing ourselves in nature. And what I am realizing about myself is the more that I do that, the more I slow down, the less control I feel like I need, the less I'm holding on and trying to, um, you know, have a certain expectation around an experience and things flow in such a different way. The creativity is abundant rather than trying to force it all the time. Yeah that, that it's, it's so true. Yeah. And that's how you, uh, I really do think that's how you kind of reach those flow states and of creativity and, and passion for sure. Mm. You mentioned that you'll show up to events and you're like, Oh, is anyone going to come? And you're constantly amazed, which I love. I'm curious what the fear for you is, whether you're writing a new piece or coming out with a new book or all of the merch that you're creating what fear lies behind that for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's the, 
that same feeling, you know, will people show up? Like, do, do people want to listen? Do I have anything to say? Am I, am I worth it? You know, I think it's something that everybody goes through to some degree. Um, and you know, I think writers and creators, uh, often maybe even more so, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, it's just that like feel of fear of failure. Um, am I enough? You know, um, when, when is enough? What is enough? Uh, yeah, just the kind of, the constant kind of like worries and concerns that we try to try to try to comfort our, our inner childs, you know, mm-hmm. them, tell them it'll be okay. Yeah. I, I totally understand that. What, when you think of what failure means for you, what does it mean if you fail? Um, good question. And, and, you know, I think that, that, um, it's not always realistic, but, you know, I, I think I need to redefine what success is for myself and, and, um, and, you know, I have a, I have a plan to kind of work on that. Um, because I think it, it really is important. And, and certainly with success, like I was saying, it's like when, what is enough? And like, you know, you can keep moving that, that goalpost, but like, you know, what is enough? And, and, um, yeah, there's, there's a quote I often go, go back to and I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically just like what you have now is, is enough. Like you, you already have enough. Um, and you know, and so it's, it's kind of like, you, you need to learn to be happy with what you have, and, but also like you can strive, but be happy with what you have. I mean, I think so many of us get that because we have been taught to we have to win and we have to be the one picked at the playground and we need to achieve and make our parents proud and if we don't do that then we have disappointed them and we have failed and I think you're exactly right it's like a bunch of little kids in adult bodies trying to still prove to their parents in second grade that they like made the soccer team and if we don't do it then we're just massive failures it's it's this innate fear in us and it's really hard to eradicate that yeah, no, it is. We, I think you nailed it. And that feeling we're going to, Oh, you know, we didn't get called back. I'm going to get kicked out of the tribe. And, and if I'm out of the tribe, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's just like old human, human, the uh, wiring that we haven't kind of been able to rewire or a lot of us haven't. What has poetry taught you about yourself? Um, Poetry's taught me to, 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 to express feelings and, um, to, to slow down and that, you know, that I am happiest at a certain level of peace really. And, you know, like I said before, it's like, I, I kind of caffeinate myself to put myself into like the business side of, of what I do, but that I'm, that I'm happiest and most content, uh, you know, in the kind of calmer frequency of, of, of poetry. And, um, it's also taught me to, to stick with something and to, to pursue my passion. I, you know, I think that one of my greatest lessons was just has been, you know, I I spent a lot of time in my younger years, um, pursuing a kind of a lifestyle that I thought I wanted, 
because I, you know, I thought it was cool. Um, but then everything started happening for me when I started pursuing what I really liked, you know, and even though that was much different than, than, you know, the norm and it's like, what, what, what are my actual passions? And I started like sailing. Cause I, you know, I'm, I, I've always loved sailing and, and, uh, you know, I like riding my motorcycle and, and I liked poetry. And what I realized was, you know, um, people like that, you know, that they, they liked that it was different. And, um, you know, they, they could see that I was actually like authentic about these things and really passionate about them. And I think, you know, when, when you, when you follow those, those kind of true, your, your kind of like truths, people pick up on that and they, you know, they want to be surrounded and close to it. That's so beautiful. I love that. So I want you to tell everyone your big news about your rosé and your partnership with Target. Oh yeah. So this, this is very exciting because, <laughs> you know, we, we put out the, the wine, I think it was two years ago on Valentine's and it did. I mean, it, it's, it's, again, I never thought people would show up and now it's like the best selling wine on wink and wink.com. And, um, and, and so target reached out and was like, Hey, would you want to do an exclusive rosé? Which was very exciting to me because, um, I love rosé. And I think it's like the perfect drink for sailing and, and you know, you sound really bougie right writing. now. I know. I know. It sounds You're terrible, like, I drink rosé while I sail my boat. It's fine. Yeah, I know. It does sound terrible. But, um, and, and my boat is, is the farthest thing away from a yacht, you know, it's just an old, an old wooden boat, but, um, but I love it. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, the, the rosé came about and, and Target wanted to do an exclusive. And so, you know, we're hoping in the spring of, in a few months, um, we're going to release it within Target. Very excited about it. Very excited about what it, what it um, tastes like. It's just like nice and dry and easy to drink. And um, yeah, we're, we're very, very pumped about it. Mostly so I can bring it sailing. <laughs> That's so good. I love that. Oh, I can just see you on a boat sailing right now, drinking your rosé, being so proud. This is happiness. <laughs> so I have reached it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. tell everyone else, I, you have so much merch. I mean, I have a ton in my own house. I was telling you before we started recording, I just got a bunch of the tie-dye hats that you created and people are oh, loving yeah. this stuff. So what do you really have bad. available now? Uh, um, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the kind of merchandising side of this was never something I thought, uh, I'd pursue, but, um, you know, what we're loving is the kind of like this, this kind of banner of like life is poetry and how can we like ingrain poetry into, into cool things. And like, that's, that's what we did with the wine and in so many ways. And like, that's what we're doing with the, the clothing and the, and the jewelry that we launched. Um, is that we're just like ingraining words and meaning into these items. And it's, and, you know, we're spending a lot of time kind of trying to come up with like really quality items and, and like, what would, you know, what would we wear And our designer? Um, our designers are, are awesome. You know, they just, they get it. And, and so we have like little messages written on the insides of a lot of the items and, and we kind of take, take, um, 
real care with the details and things, but yeah, it's also, I love, I love that you got some, you know, we'll have to send you some more. If you want some more, let me know. And I'll, oh my I'll gosh, I would you. be honored. Of course, you know, yeah, I love no, everything no you put out in the world. So I will always take more oh, yeah. Atticus. <laughs> You're the best. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here and just sharing so much. I appreciate you. I have been a fan of yours for so long now. All of my friends were freaking out that you were coming on the show. Um, they're very uh, excited to listen to this episode. Um, Connor is upstairs, jealous that I'm chatting with you right now. So thank you for uh, taking the time. I just really, really appreciate you. Oh, Kelly, thank you so much for having me. And it was, it was very nice chatting. Anytime. Thank you all so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to ratethispodcast.com slash Kelly to leave a five-star review. And as a bonus for doing that, if you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right, we have another juicy episode coming for you next week, so stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.